Preventing suicide is one of society's greatest challenges. That's why the Flint Hills Volunteer Center has developed this Suicide Awareness Pact podcast. Pact stands for Prevention, Awareness, Compassion, Training. This Suicide Awareness Pact podcast will feature personal stories and professional perspectives. This podcast series is funded in part by the Kansas Health Foundation, AmeriCorp Seniors, and the Greater Manhattan Community Foundation. Our hope is to touch hearts and provide hope amidst despair. Please follow us wherever you get your podcasts and share them with those you know that are seeking help and hope. Our website and contact information is included in the show notes. Here we are once again in 2023 with the Suicide Awareness Pact podcast. And uh, Lori, we have so many things that uh, we have been able to talk about over the last couple of years with the podcast. And this is uh, a topic today, which is really consuming America and our youth. Our podcast reached a far number of people to the fact we know now people are receiving some counseling uh, because of listening to these podcasts. Um, that was my goal all along is to raise awareness and get the conversation going. And we want to continue that. We've been successful. We want to continue. Interestingly, suicide prevention includes so many different things for us. Uh, we've tied in the bullying, the depression, the drug addiction, um, mental health, so many factors that all can contribute to that. And so um, I, I'm excited. We have an awesome task force uh, that have been very active. And today we have one of those members with us, Julie Gibbs, the director of the Riley County Health Department. Welcome, Julie. And uh, Julie brought someone today, too, that they're going to talk about what the health department is doing. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here on this podcast. And I have with me Asia Sampson. She is one of our new hires at the health department. She's our part-time community health educator. She was hired under this opioid prevention grant. So she's doing a lot of the prevention education in our Wildcat region, which includes Riley County, Pottawatomie County, and Geary County. Asia, welcome to this. Have you been on a podcast before? No, this is actually my first time. It's really nice of you. Thank you. We've got some wonderful things to talk about uh, with the work that you were doing with a very challenging scenario. So, Julie, tell us a little bit about some of the work that the Ryan County Health Department is involved in right now. Back in the fall, we applied for an opioid prevention grant. And when I say we, it was a joint effort uh, between uh, Riley County Health Department, Geary County Health Department, and Pottawatomie County Health Department. Um, those two counties have had experience with this same grant uh, in past years. So they were able to kind of, um, were able to kind of work on some of their successes and really learn from some of their past mistakes. Um, so we were awarded this grant. Um, we brought Asia Sampson on in December to do some of our prevention work for us under this grant. Um, so this grant is, um, it's called Overdose to Action Grant. It's through KDHE. Um, and we have these funds that will last through August of 2023 uh, this year. So we're hoping that we can um, extend this grant a little further with all the great work that we're doing in the region. Um, we know that illegal drug use in our schools is on the rise like it is nationwide. Um, and many times that leads to unintentional overdose. We've actually seen a rise in overdose um, in, in our uh, emergency department and also um, some deaths related to 
opioid use as well. Um, actually, since 2016, it's been on the rise. So in our conversations with the Riley County EMS, RCPD, and our local schools, we know that a lot uh, more effort needs to be done in our schools. Um, we just don't have enough support staff to really help with the issue. Um, so also, as we've seen nationwide, fentanyl is on the rise, and it's no different um, here. Uh, we're seeing it here even in, in our schools. Um, so this is just another reason we need all the help that we can get when it comes to prevention education. And that is exactly why we applied for these funds. And we were able to hire our part-time community health educator to really get into the schools and um, really help with this education. I know we've had this conversation before. This is really the subject of what got me into doing these podcasts. I lost my son uh, to a, a drug addiction, and it was difficult because I wasn't aware of all that. And I didn't know the signs to look for. I didn't know that there was an education and, and we're seeing more about that now and, the, and proactive as law enforcement is being, health departments are being. And so I just want to say uh, thank you uh, for what you are doing. And it just takes everyone to come together to make a difference. Yeah, we've, we've already seen that in some of the work that Asia has been doing. Um, we have done kind of an assessment of, of our area to determine what's already been done in our area and what are some of the gaps. And so that's where we're looking to fill in those gaps. But yeah, it does. It takes takes a village to really work on this what issue. What are the gaps? Uh, more education, definitely more education and more awareness is what we're finding. You know, um, there are just some some individuals um, in our community that don't don't realize what's, what's going on. Uh, many individuals that don't realize what's going on. And so it really takes that awareness and that comes with the education. And we're working on a campaign with our public information officer at the county to um, really reach a, a wide range of, of people to let them know that this is an issue and we all need to work together on this issue. Asia, tell us a little bit about some of the, the work that you have been involved in so far in your, what, last two months here in this position. Well, thank you for having me first. I'd like to say thank you. Um, so far, uh, I've been working really closely with Ms. Julie and the Raleigh County Health Department. Um, I've been able to go into the Manhattan um, High School, uh, the East Campus, where the freshmen are, um, and just spread a little bit of awareness to them so that they're empowered to make better decisions. Uh, like Ms. Julie was saying, awareness is a big part of the prevention, um, especially with fentanyl in the streets. It's important to know like one pill can kill, especially growing up like the 60s, the 70s. People were able to experiment with drugs, but we're trying to push out to to children that that's not something that you want to do, especially in this day and age when fentanyl is present. Um, what I've been doing is talking to students a little bit about like the history of the epidemic and opioids. Um, I've been talking about medication storage because, as you know, um, you know some of this stuff you can get at the pharmacy or if you have surgery or something like that. So um, just talking a little bit about you know making sure that they're storing the medication correctly, keeping track of what they have, making sure they're taking it the way that they're supposed to supposed to um, talking a little bit to like pharmacists about the medication they are taking so they're taking it correctly and then just medication disposal because I know like before I became a pharmacy technician nine nine years ago my medic medicine cabinet was full of medications even if I was using it or not so just making sure like once your course of medication is over just to dispose of them correctly and things like that so just giving them the insight on good habits that they could be having we can make sure that they're not having this issue in the future as far as going down the road of addiction. Isha, I'm curious, how do you feel you were received speaking to a high school group? 
I spoke to three different classes. The first one was in the morning. Uh, we had a middle class and one in the evening. The first class was, you know, they were a little bit tired, so I didn't really get many questions. But once they started warming up to me uh, towards the end of the day, they were very intrigued by the information. Like like Ms. Julie said, this is a national issue. And because people think that it's a national issue, they may not think of it when they see, they think of home. So um, I was able to spread that information to them, bring awareness that it is in our community. And by, by doing that, they're able to, you know, make more empowering decisions and more conscious decisions when they're in school and around their friends. Do you feel like we have to start younger to get them educated first before they move up? Yeah, definitely, because with the power of social media can be a beauty and a curse, you know. So definitely, um, if they're more aware as they're going into those age groups where social media and things are becoming more popular, um, they're able to make more conscious decisions. Do you have some work that you're doing with the middle schools, or do you even go down so far in the, in the age range as to include elementary schools? I'm hoping in the future that we can work with middle schools and younger populations, but right now we're just trying to focus on high school, adolescents, and things like that, teens. Where are these kids finding these drugs? I'm not sure. Um, like I said, these e-commerce pro- profiles and social media are so popular um, to the younger population. It's so easy to come across the illicit drugs and things like that and counterfeit pills. That's another thing that we're talking to them about is just the fact that counterfeit pills look like what you can get from the pharmacy, but in fact, they could be laced with fentanyl. Um, so that's where one pill can kill comes in play, um, especially when it when you think about taking something that looks like something you're familiar with. You definitely want to stick to what's given to you by the doctor, the pharmacist. What do you include in your presentations in the schools? First, I start by talking a little bit about um, the history of the epidemic. We talk about how uh, in areas, especially like West Virginia, how um, the issue became because there were pharmaceutical representatives advertising to pharmacists and doctors, telling them that the medications weren't addictive. Um, oxycodone is a short-acting medication, and um, the pharmaceutical representatives, because OxyContin was long-acting, um, they advertised it as less addictive. Um, so these mine workers would go in to the doctors because they got injured at work, and because they're the provider for their family, they went to their doctor. Because they were hurt, they would get prescribed this medication that was advertised as less addictive. So now we have whole populations of individuals who were, in fact, addicted to OxyContin. And it was unfortunate because of the way that it was, you know, advertised to these officials. So um, because of that, it has started this whole downstream effect of overdose um, overdoses, and especially when they tried to renege on what they were saying to the to the doctors and things like that. That's when heroin overdoses started becoming more prevalent. And that's another thing I try to push to teens is um, if you look at addiction, you, you can have addiction or be addicted to something, but just because it's taken away doesn't mean they're not going to be addicted anymore. Um, so you would see like these individuals who are addicted to these medications, they started turning to heroin. And then when they started to turn into heroin, they started to turn into fentanyl. So it ended up being a greater issue than what was perceived. And a lot of these companies are getting in trouble (laughs) for what they were pushing out, that information, that false information. There's a lot of information, a lot of good, mostly bad. Yeah. And uh, a lot of misleading information. How do you go about trying to determine what is the right information? Um, I try to make sure that any information I'm putting out to um, students is just 
um, in the realm of safety. Um, not necessarily statistics, comparable statistics. I just try to make sure that the safety is the main point that I'm pushing out. Uh, so, for example, the one pill can kill phrase that we're pushing out, that that is related directly to safety and directly to saving lives and directly to staying away from it. So I try to make sure that we're pushing out a, a message similar to that. Julie, I know you say we hope to be able to continue this because this is not a situation that's going to end. By showing our outcomes and hopefully positive outcomes, which we're already starting to see that, um, we can hopefully be able to apply for more funding through KDHE as long as this um, this grant keeps going. We can hopefully apply for another at least another year of funding to keep it going as long as we can. How do you track the success? Lots of ways. Um, we track it. One way that Asia tracks is just through attendance. You know how many how many individuals actually um, are at her presentation. Um, but we can also track success um, through uh, other methods as well. We have an OD2 map um, which shows um, overdose related or overdoses in our area. Um, so we can track the whole Wildcat region to look at where the overdoses are more prevalent in our area and if they're um, rising or if they're going down. Um, we can also look at um, the use of Narcan, which is becoming more popular. Um, so tracking the, that, those numbers as well. Um, so yeah, there's many different ways that we can track success. Um, but like you said, I, it's not going to end in August. Um, we'll, we'll need to keep going. We just hope that we can continue in this positive and the positive manner that we're, we're going right now. You know, I think that uh, we focus so much on the city of Manhattan and USD 383. What about uh, Riley County and uh, Blue Valley Randolph? Are you involved with them and the education process as well, Asia? Um, so right now, uh, my involvement is with Pottawatomie County, Rowley County, and Geary County. Um, all high schools in those areas, I try to also um, reach out to the Boys and Girls Clubs in those areas just to do like community parent-teen engagement nights. Um, those are always beneficial because it's nice to be with your child as we're communicating this issue. Um, that way, these parents also and the teens can have time to communicate these things together. What kind of responses are you getting from the parents? My first teen um, parent engagement night is going to be coming up on the 27th at the Boys and Girls Club here in this area. Um, so I'm excited to get some feedback, but that's going to be my first event with them. What about teachers, their engagement with you? So uh, I actually met with a health teacher. That's where I, that's who I collaborated with first to do my first set of presentations. She was very helpful throughout um, the presentation. She helped keep the kids engaged. She asked them questions throughout just to see if they were paying attention. She even gave the um, example of Elvis because uh, during my presentation, I talk about how um, there's short-term effects that aren't, aren't always the nicest effects that come with the euphoria that people experience um, from taking these drugs. And she talked about how constipation was one of those short-term effects and how Elvis, you know, passed away on the toilet <laughs> from constipation. So um, she was really helpful with that and it kept, kept them engaged. You know, these are all things that uh, are very serious in nature. And, and Julie, you know, you think about some of the work that you have done here and, you know, and you came into the position as director of the health department just before COVID. This is a definitely a challenge. They both have their own level of significance. Getting this word out is imperative. This is something that I've been wanting to do because so much has come out within just the last couple of years of opportunities where we can raise awareness. And that's what this podcast series and our FHVC PACT program was all about. But the goal is that we can start conversations, we can raise awareness, hopefully with what you all are doing with this, 
will increase and have more engagement in the schools and people talking and not being bullied and not having the stigma and that. So I think hats off to you. I think what you're doing is really great. We're hoping that more more kids can start those conversations about it. And that's one thing that we're hoping with this education, that they'll openly be able to talk about this and be able to take care of each other that way, too. How do you put this in with perspective of the health department? And Julie, you've got so many different obligations, so many different things that you are involved in. And here we've got one, you know, you use the phrase Asia, uh, one pill can kill. That takes a whole different level of importance in, in in a lot of respects with all the work that you do. Yeah, it's. I, I just was talking about this um, the other day with someone saying how, you know, past the COVID response, now we have all these other public health issues that we can now focus on that have become more relevant. And so um, it's almost um, just a, you know, a cluster to try to even think about prioritizing them um, because you, you really can't. They're all public health issues. You know, COVID was a public health issue and so was opioid use and mental health and uh, suicide prevention. I mean, it's all it's all public health and um, you can't prioritize the importance. So you just try to work on them um, as you can. And whenever there's funding that comes across my desk, I'll, I'll apply for it, whether I get it or not. We're, we're working on one now, so we hope we can uh, get one. We'll, we'll collaborate on that. So I'm looking forward to hearing what that is. But I want to go back to the the phrase, one pill can kill, um, because it's something so small like that, that to me makes my head think, oh, that's, that, you know, so something, something short like that, look what it says, you know. So I think that raises awareness just in that piece. And the simplicity, you remember Nancy Reagan, just say no, you know, and, 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 you know, you've got the, the fact that pills and kills rhymes and, and, and just, it's, it's a simple, it's a simple phrase that, uh, has got to be effective and easily, uh, easily understood. Yeah, and I think, you know, we've talked about before how some that might have medical problems or uh, depression or something do do the overdose just to avoid what's going on in the, in the, in the real world, in their real lives. So educating now at a young age, I think is, is really important. We didn't have that back when my son was going through all that. So I think it's great. I think a lot of things over the years have changed because, you know, we, there were a number of celebrities back at the time where your son had his struggles. There were a lot of celebrities that were dealing with Oxycontin addiction issues. And it was, for some of them, it was just kind of a joke, you know, it wasn't taken very seriously. And now it's, you know, epidemic level. Julie, before we actually started the podcast, you had made mention about the mental health aspect of it. And that's one of the things, obviously, with the podcast series that we do is is all about. And how does the Oxycontin, the fentanyl, how does that all play into uh, challenges with those that may be developing some mental health challenges? Right. Many times they go hand in hand. If you have someone with a mental health issue, um, sometimes they they use um, whatever drug of choice to kind of cloud that or, or to relieve that stress, um, or vice versa. You know, you could um, you could have a, a drug problem and then develop mental health issues. Um, a lot of people that that's what happens. You know, so those problems go hand in hand along with other public health issues then that can come down the road. So it's important to stay in front of it and um, you know make sure to point out all the resources. Resources um, that that um, you can direct individuals to, and that's one of the things that um, Asia is really working hard to do is to point out those resources in our community, so we can get people the help that they need. And also by um, raising awareness, especially with teachers and caregivers, you know they can start to see the signs early on to get the help that that teen might need or a, you know anyone might need. 
So anyone that is listening to our podcast today, what can they do to, to receive more information through the Riley County Health Department and through Asia's work? You can always visit our website or our Facebook page. Um, we keep up-to-date information on our Facebook page. Like I mentioned earlier, we're working with our PIO, our public information officer. Um, she does a great job of putting out information, and I think that's a great way to, to help spread the word and, and share it on your own Facebook page. Asia, is it a delight to have you in today. Thank you. I appreciate it. Well, thank you for the work that you do because it's something that uh, has a great amount of significance and and hopefully saves some lives. And and I hope that that's rewarding for you and hopefully it will help continue the work that you're doing now. Yeah, it's definitely rewarding for me. It's it's interesting that you pointed out celebrities because the reason, one of the main reasons why I joined this or saw this position and wanted to get involved is because the story my dad used to tell me when I was a kid about Lynn Bias. I don't know if you know of a basketball yes, player. Yes, I do. Yeah, but so I'm from Maryland and my dad um, was pretty young when he had me, but he always pushed this story into my head about how Lynn Bias was the best basketball player. He was almost better than Michael Jordan. He was amazing. Yes. And he was going to the um, Boston Celtics. And the night that he um, got signed to the NBA or got drafted to the NBA, he overdosed on cocaine. They said that was the one time he ever tried it. And so because my dad used to push that into my head, it's always been in my heart to serve the community. So I appreciate it. We have all had some experiences that drive us into this conversation. And it's great to share that. Thank you and good luck with the rest of your work. Thank you. Julie, I want to thank you for being a member of our task force. We've had great meetings. We've got a training coming up here in a couple of weeks. I think we've got lots planned on how we can help with education and awareness. So thank you. My pleasure. It's exciting to be a part of that. We hope you or someone you love can benefit from this series. If you need help, reach out to the many resources available. Many are listed in our show notes. The Flint Hills Volunteer Center Suicide Awareness Pact podcast series is funded in part by the Kansas Health Foundation, AmeriCorps Seniors, and the Greater Manhattan Community Foundation. Follow us wherever you get your podcasts and share them with those you know that are seeking help and hope.